The Hola Mexico Film Festival was founded in 2008, and this festival is the largest Mexican film festival outside of Mexico, where some of the best and brightest talents are highlighted in Mexican cinematography. Also a part of the festival is a development program now in its fifth year, Tomorrow's Filmmakers Today. Through this program, 20 emerging Latino filmmakers are fully funded in a six-day intensive program that connects them with prominent directors, producers, programmers, executives in both Hollywood and Mexico. In other words, it's the biggest, baddest Latinx networking event for up-and-coming cinematographers and filmmakers. Well, it's my pleasure today to have the curator of this program, Diana Luna, with us today on the Queso Podcast. We are a community of creators, of artists, of writers, of speakers, of people. Sometimes it takes a hand from someone or a good word from someone to get ahead in any industry. And that's why I'm so excited about this program because it strives to do just that, to put Latinx creators in contact with some of the biggest people in the industry. And I think that's how we should all do in whatever industry we're in, whatever line of work we're doing, even if it is a reference for someone to work at a store or a factory. Let's keep upholding each other in a better light and not trying to push each other down. If we build someone else up, we build up our community. And it's only the human thing to do. Thanks for joining me. So thank you so much for being here with me today. I really appreciate it. I'm sure you've been busy this past few months. A little. <laughs> Just a little trying to figure out like what was next for, for the festival and how we we're going to put it all together, including our program. So but we're here, ready to go. Yes. So tell me a little bit about yourself. I know you're originally from Mexico City. I'm from Mexico City. Um, I'm a, a proud, as we call them, Chilanga. <laughs> and, uh, and in terms of my background, I've been working many years, um, more than 15, uh, close maybe to 20, but that I sound too old. I've been working uh, in putting together programs uh, in the fields of arts and culture uh, for the creative industries. So for anyone that has a creative mind, it's a matter of how to then make it into a profitable careers that is not compromising their creativity, but is uh, bringing to the people and the audiences what we need to see, to enjoy, to hear about. So that's pretty much what I have been done for now quite a while. So I read that part of your passion is just that getting artists to a place where they're not just creating, but they're living a fruitful life from their work. Correct. Um, I'm, I, I love the arts. I'm very passionate about anything that has to do with human expression. And I also see that there is a very strong need to support those creative minds by not changing the, what they're expressing, but making sure that we live in a community that is part of the democracy that includes that everybody's expression and messages mm -hmm. and what we have to say, it's really out there. Mm -hmm. And I have always been um, advocating for that right that it comes either through arts education or through and hence our communities to really put out what we think, that, that content that we really need to transmit of who we are. Mm -hmm. um, I find it crucial uh, in today's world so that we get a better understanding of who we are. 
Now, I know some of your work included teaching, actual like um, college students on the arts and how to apply it in nonprofit and also for profit, correct? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> Tell me how that works. Like, you know, when people think nonprofit, usually they don't think about arts, right? How, you know, what kind of students did you come across and what kind of projects were they working on? Yeah, so actually within the arts field, most of the uh, organizations are nonprofit, but we don't really know when you go to theater, you're not thinking, oh, I'm going to a nonprofit play. Mm -hmm. Or when you're in a museum, you're never thinking this must be a nonprofit organization. We don't think about it. We just enjoy what we see or what we experience. And something that is very important to point out is that within this sector, it, it keeps us struggling because sometimes we have all the experience within the art form, call them filmmaking, uh, painting, uh, dancing. We could be very creative, but at the time that you have to put it out there, you need those skills to understand, well, do I need a nonprofit in order to put my work out there and bring the audience and make a profit from it or not? Or how do I will ask for support that there is so much support for, well, not so much, but when you have uh, grants available from an organization to support filmmaking, but how do I have access to them? Do I need to be a for-profit or a non-profit? So it's guiding uh, people throughout what are the tools and the resources that you actually can have as in part of this creative industry. I see, and I think it's part of those steps that are ambiguous to mm -hmm. a majority of artists that maybe mm -hmm. have just amazing work, but just don't know where to start to get Correct. it out there, right? Now you're Correct. working with film students for, mm -hmm. for this festival, it's particularly in the film industry. What was the main objective when you started to work with students or with <clears throat> these participants? Yeah, when uh, Samuel Dweck, the director of the festival, the Ola Mexico Film Festival, the festival has been running up today now for 12 years. Can you imagine? It's a very long time that uh, Ola Mexico has been out there. And five years ago, Samuel Dweck came to me and said, I have this idea about like, I bring so many talented producers, directors, actors to the festival from Mexico, mm -hmm. that I see that they're an incredible resource for our community here in LA to have, to be able to connect with them, to access other kind of resources, create new relationships with, with, with Mexico. Mm -hmm. So I thought, well, that's wonderful. That's exactly the area that I feel very passionate about. Let's create something that actually supports our emerging filmmakers. So the people that we brought into the program are those that are um, young people that most likely already finished a film program or been in the field for a little while. They have a short already put together. Mm -hmm. They're devoted to their careers. So we brought them together. I mean, every, well, actually every year we bring them together, like 20 each year that we select and we give them access, not only to the people that were coming to the festival, but also to the industry in Hollywood. And we've been very lucky that we have received tremendous support from big organizations that you can see in the back. Yes. And, uh, and many others that believe that we need that talent to be supported so that we create new content so that we are better portrayed and having a better representation within the Hollywood industry in this particular case. So I read that the majority of these students are, are women, like 63%, something like that. And um, the average age was like 28 years old. Mm -hmm. 
Well, are there any requisites? I know those aren't requisites to, to be in the festival or to be a participant, but do you have to live in Los Angeles and be a filmmaker in Los Angeles to participate? At the moment, well, things are so different nowadays, right? I mean, we live in this uh, online world where actually the, uh, the participants this year, they are alumni mm -hmm. and they are I mean, all over, right? I mean, they are, I mean, we have some in Hawaii, we have some in Mexico, we have some in the East Coast. Um, so we will redefine what are the requirements for the, the program, but at the time that we had it in person, it was important to be in Los Angeles because the sessions were happening there. So, and it was important also to be at that moment in, in Los Angeles so that people will actually be able to connect in, in person. Mm -hmm. uh, but that is back in the day when we used to, <laughs> to together, right? Uh, but nowadays, I mean, having the program online, I think it might give us a different perspective into how we're gonna make the program in the future. Mm -hmm. But the, the requirement that is always gonna remain is that you are uh, Latinx and that you are living in the U.S., that you can work here and that you have a short in hand to present because a very important part of the of the program is that you're able to to screen your short in the big screen with the features that we have along with the festival. This time also as we are in this online world, uh, we're very lucky to have a partner uh, that is going to stream our our film festival. That is Pantaya. This is a streaming service that had incredible Latino movies, and they partner with us, and they are going to showcase uh, great work not only from the festival, but from our tomorrow's filmmakers today. And I saw that for four ninety nine, you can screen <laughs> all twenty shorts. Is that correct? And the, the film. The 20 films, 20 yes. 20 films, yes. 20 so films that, and 20 shorts. Oh, that, yeah. Okay, so it's the 20 films that are already there from the alumni, right? Yes. And the 20 shorts from the participants. Correct. And it's $4.99 with Pantaya. That's all you pay to watch them? Yes. So 20 films are actually, like, the festival brings 20 films from Mexico film, Mexican filmmakers. Mm -hmm. and they are incredible. Um films that are gonna be now released in the US. Mm -hmm. So those are the, the big features, but also from our group of emerging uh, filmmakers who are bringing the 20 shorts. Mm -hmm. And when you get access to, to Pantaya, mm -hmm. you get to see them all. Some of the films actually that might have only like 24 hours availability, but the shorts and the films are gonna be there for the 10 day festival. And it's going to work like any other festival. We're going to have a voting uh, aspect of it to select your favorite short, your favorite feature. But also we'll have the Q&As with uh, the actors and directors from the films and from the shorts. So everything is still happening, maybe not in person. But uh, I'm, Yeah, I'm glad you're finding the upside of being online because really there really are some pluses to doing everything online this year. Definitely, definitely. It's going to be a very different experience for a festival. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, there are other festivals that have done it already uh, by streaming services. In our case, well, obviously it's the first time, but I also see the reach uh, that the shorts in this case, which is the program my my part of the festival mm -hmm. uh, is going to have an incredible reach um, nationally. So I'm really hoping that people out there are really paying attention to emerging filmmakers mm -hmm. and support them. I think that's 
that's the main goal to give them visibility and more than now than ever that they really need to put their work out there and and find new opportunities now you're in those circles in hollywood and you're seeing films coming out you know not just from latinos but just in the in the bigger you know hollywood um part of the movie industry why do you think it's still so hard for latinos to burst out of that scene as either an actor or director, producer, why is it still in 2020, why is it still so difficult, do you think? Well, this is one of the reasons why the, this program, Tomorrow's Filmmakers, exists. Mm -hmm. And it has a very clear objective and is to have representation, not only within the content that is produced, but also within the crew that you see in a set in Hollywood, that we see that there are more Latinos working there, that we have more women um, women, um, Latino filmmakers mm -hmm. in the field with this in the spotlight. I think that's, that's what is needed when you don't have, um, it's not necessarily about creating content, about talking about the typical events. No, well, we don't have to talk about immigration. We don't have to talk about any of our concerns, but talk about who we are as a community, not only that lives in LA, but is a global Latino community, like we're everywhere and many, many stories happen. Mm -hmm. We need that kind of content to really be on the spotlight. It happens to be Mexican directors that, I mean, the ones that, the, that we have right now really shining within uh, winning um, awards and being internationally recognized. The thematic is not necessarily about Latino communities. It's just about good stories. Good. And that's what we're looking into, in having good stories created by Latinos that have exposure mm -hmm. and having these groups of um, emerging filmmakers get together and collaborate. We have great examples on our program where we, get, we gather 20 each year, 20 emerging filmmakers, and they have the opportunity for 10 days to really get to know each other, to really connect and to fall in love with their work. And then later create those collaborations. We have one of our um, shorts that are gonna be screened in Pantalla. It's, um, there are three uh, Tomorrow's Filmmakers that they met in the program and they did this short together. Mm -hmm. We have others, uh, other shorts that portray that same example that we have uh, the, um, the writer, it's uh, Tomorrow's Filmmakers, uh, the director, the photographer. So they get to know each other. And then the whole thing about this is collaboration and how do we create those meaningful connections throughout? I mean, we need to help each other. Yeah. How, how did the workshop look this year? Everybody was on like a Zoom uh, meetings or how did that work? Well, the way we're going to work this year, um, well, they're going to stream their work in, um, in mm -hmm. Pantalla. But throughout the week, we're going to be having, like us, a Zoom meeting. Uh, through, um, they're going to have about two to three Zoom meetings uh, during the day. In the morning, we invited uh, organizations or big um, companies such as Warner, Universal. Uh, we are going to have a, um, HBO, of course, talking about uh, the programs that they have and new initiatives. And it's all for these big companies to bring uh, the opportunities that they have available for our filmmakers and be able to connect with them and understand what, what their work is about, where their careers are at. And then during the day, we're going to have sessions with the directors that are showcasing the, their films. Mm -hmm. 
and they're going to be able to meet new directors from Mexico and again be able to talk about their 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 features their careers and at nighttime we're going to have another session we're going to bring uh, big names in the film industry where they're also going to be able to talk about their their careers specifically mm -hmm. and the Q and A's for the the shorts so it's going to be a um, a busy week for the filmmakers. Um, the Q&As are gonna be open to the public, so they also get to meet them. Uh, we're all very excited. We're really, really happy that it's actually, it's happening even in times of uh, yeah. COVID. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> even if it's 2020, right? Yes. Uh, I, I guess the funnest part's going to be the wardrobe changing throughout the day, right? <laughs> In, yeah. the, in the years that you've been doing this, what are some of the takeaways that some of the participants have shared with you mm -hmm. um, from the program? Yes, I have so many good stories that have happened throughout. This is going to be our fifth year. Um, we would have been 100 tomorrow's filmmakers as for today. We're still 80. We didn't get any new ones. I'm looking forward for next year for that to happen, even if it happens online. Mm -hmm. um, but throughout the years, one of the recurrent comments is that while they're, well, when they get to the program, they don't realize that there are others that think alike, mm -hmm. that are in the same, within their career paths, that are looking for the same objectives. And I think that's really cool when you see people coming together because they're connected and beyond just like in film, but they find so many commonalities. And we actually put the program purposely that way when we are interviewing uh, the applicants. Mm -hmm. And we want to see that they are going to connect, that there are those races where we know that they find commonalities. So um, that's one of the first comments that I always get that they never imagined that they would have find people that they can actually become friends, not only within the profession, but in, now for life. In real life, and, yeah. And the next one is that they are actually able to have access to the opportunities they wouldn't have otherwise. They're able to connect with agents from CAA, WME, and from HBO. So they have those open doors that they also didn't expect to have, and they a lot of them have taken great opportunities from those being admitted into different uh, writers and directors programs, having access to, to other festivals or other fellowships. So we feel very, um, very happy with, with, with the outcomes. That's so great that you do that. I think before social media, that's what a lot of us did, right? We met a young person and we said, oh, you need to meet so-and-so and you take them to a networking event and keep the ball rolling like that. At least you hope it keeps rolling and then they pay it forward that way. But this is all happening in one platform. Now you, you select 20 participants, how many apply? Um, well, we get an average of 70 applications. Um, it's now worth the mouth. Honestly, we don't do much of uh, publicity for that matter or like market it as much because we really want to make sure that the people that are coming through is because mm -hmm. I have another friend that knows that I know that is as talented but haven't maybe needs and like going to the next level into their careers and so forth so um, we receive about 70 applications mm -hmm. most likely more uh, than that and then we we have um uh, jury or, or a selection committee where 
we watch every single short, we interview them, we read through their whole essays, and then we select those 20. So when are the applications due for 2021? <laughs> usually, usually the date is um, we release the application uh, by the end of January. Okay. The, the festival usually happens the last week of May or beginning of June. This year we're a little bit behind. <laughs> so this is the latest that we had had the, the festival and the program. Uh, but usually the applications uh, conclude around March and then we start having the, all the interviews and so forth. But uh, the end of January is when the application goes live on our website of Hola Mexico Film Festival. So by the time they, that a future filmmaker or uh, yeah, filmmaker, producer, uh, writers mm -hmm. uh, turn in their application, they should have their short already completed. There's an okay. essay and an application. Is there a fee to apply? No, and that's kind of the neatest part of the program. Mm -hmm. The program, it's a fellowship. We are supported by the Hollywood Foreign Press Association and HBO, Warner Media. Mm -hmm. They are the ones that fund the program. They strongly believe that we are capturing incredible talent that has incredible possibilities. So we don't charge a penny for the program. You don't pay for the application. And throughout the week, uh, if we are in uh, on site everything is covered the meals uh we we go to different sites different studios and we go visit executives and um, the transportation is covered for most part um i mean with the meals sometimes they get tired of the meals so <laughs> i don't know if we cover them all in the way they would want to but right. everything everything is is set for them to be able to commit to those 10 days fully because it's it's you get there at and on site at 9 a.m. and you end up leaving like at midnight and exhausted mm -hmm. and right. people get really tired uh, by Wednesday, but by the end of the week, everybody's so happy and yeah. fulfilled with experiences. But I'm sure it's a good kind of tired. It's an exhilarating kind of tiredness. Yes, um, adrenaline at its max all throughout the week. <laughs> right, right. And, and hopefully, do you see yourself in person next year? Do you see yourself continuing some of the online methods that you're using now we'll see how this year goes and if we see that connections happen this way meaningful connections mm -hmm. uh, then most likely we might move forward with an online version but in the time being um we got the the program right now with the alumni the alumni are very happy that they're going to be able to uh, stream their work um and having this reach, I think, is going to be wonderful. Mm -hmm. And we'll see next year. I mean, the program is here to stay. And we are looking forward to support more um, emerging Latinx uh, filmmakers. We need them. We need them now and not only in the screen, but behind and everywhere so that we can, we can change the discourse of the, our Latino community. Now, knowing that this is aimed for Latinx um, creators and we know there are creative people from all walks of life but what do Latinos bring to this industry? Well we are not necessarily a minority and we need to take that in mind mm -hmm. and what we bring is not only the experience that we had as Latinos born in the U.S. but also we understand that as immigrants we have a lot of stories to share 
that are unexpected, that are maybe totally common with any other other communities. So I think there is a lot to that we still have to bring to the table. This is a great time for that. And I mean, we are all part of uh, this incredible country. So we, we need to be portrayed in the, in the screen as well. Right, and then there's Latinos all over the US. And like you said, we're becoming a majority. But depending where in the US you live, you have your different type of, you know, customs and your different mm -hmm. type of Latinidad, right? If, whether you're in Chicago, New York, Texas, right. uh, it's, it's different for each community. So to be able to look at the big screen or to tune into Pantaya and look for a movie that you can relate to. It's exactly. just beautiful to, to be able to do that and connect it with our children as well. And this is the, the, another very nice part of uh, Ola Mexico Film Festival. The, the, the features are from Mexico, you know, like the French Film Festival was only yeah. movies from France, right? In this particular case, the features are only Mexican. Mm. But our program, uh, we have people from Chile, uh, we have people from Venezuela, from Argentina, from Mexico, um, from um, filmmakers that have been born in the U.S. So they have all, I mean, they, our programming from the shorts, it's all over the place from so many different thematics that uh, we have drama, we have uh, horror, we have comedy. Children, it's all children's. Movie. Yeah, it's yes. We well, yes, those from the the the, the features. So yeah. we have a little bit of everything, and I mean, we cannot be more uh, diverse and than. I mean, I, I within the shorts and the the, the thematics. I, I think it's it's really going to be really fun. I just imagine that a person from Chile living maybe in New Jersey and saying, "Oh wow, a little bit from home here in this movie," yeah. you know. And it's just it's it's really refreshing to see that. And to hopefully mm -hmm. see it more and having it be more common and something we yeah. can do. Like you said, once we uh, are in, then we don't just have to talk about this immigration stories and just everyday life living stories, you know, uh, people being born, people living their lives, and there's a story there. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's rich yeah. and it's uh, multifaceted because of the cultural difference. And it's that's and we, we have that in the festival throughout the shorts, but also the stories that uh, the Mexican cinema has to tell. Uh, they are also um, so diverse, so many, um, many stories that I think people is going to have a great time watching them, uh, making time throughout the week. I see it like your night activity from the 11 to the 20th and That's awesome. checking out the, the movies. I think it's, um, it's just a great way to celebrate uh, this, uh, the Hispanic Heritage Month and also lands within uh, Mexican Independence Day. So what a better way to celebrate. And I don't need more than that for an excuse to have some popcorn. <laughs> I know, or wine. <laughs> and wine, yes. And, uh, and yeah, and just breaking from the cycle of, you know, we've been in this cycle since March of, you know, know. what's next? What do we do now? Working day in, day out and to see mm -hmm. something new and colorful and beautiful is um, yes. something to look forward to. We're so looking forward. We didn't know what to expect this year when we heard that the theaters were gonna be closed, 
but it's about being creative. Uh, and again, I mean, it goes back into what I said at the beginning. It's about collaboration and finding incredible partners that believe in our, in our festival, in the program, uh, because without them, um, we wouldn't be able to, to make this happen. And regardless of COVID-19, here we are in an incredible platform supporting our emerging filmmakers, supporting Mexican cinema, and being here for our Latinx community. So I'm, I'm very glad. I'm really this. proud of that. Um, it takes a lot to put something like this out and mm -hmm. even more in a time like this, but it just yeah. goes to show the strength of Latinos. Once again, <laughs> exactly. and, and working and the partners that, that have come together to support the, you know, the festival, that's just mm -hmm. great. It's amazing. So thank you, Diana. Thank you. I really appreciate the time uh, and for your support. I'm very, very thankful. Thank you so much. I'm looking forward to the movie, so I'll talk to you soon. Don't miss them. <laughs> no, I will not, for sure. <laughs> Bye. Bye-bye. This has been the Queso Podcast. Follow me on Instagram at the.queso.com.